This is, less, this is lesson number one for our singlehood. We call this lesson Enjoying Your Singlehood. We've written these lessons because it is my estimation and opinion as a pastor watching uh, the body of Christ that young folks don't know how to be single. They're always in a hurry. Nobody ever wants to be single. We're convinced in America that being single is bad. And then when we get together in America, we're convinced being together is bad. And so we have a 50% divorce rate in the church. We have a 50% divorce rate in the world. And uh, we, if we can understand singlehood better, we might be able to glorify Jesus as singles, not get in a rush to get married. And when we do get married, it actually be a fruitful thing. Marriage is hard enough when you are married in the will of God than to be in a rush uh, to get married out of the will of God because you don't want to be single. One of the things I've experienced as a pastor is folks don't want to be single. They want to hurry up and get married and they don't qualify to be married. And so when you don't qualify to be married and you get married, you have two big messes getting together and a mess times a mess is a bigger mess. A mess times a mess isn't a solution. A mess times a mess times a mess is a lot of problems. So the Lord directed us to write these lessons to kind of train us on what singlehood is and what we need to be looking for. There's four lessons to this. So we want to first focus on being single and enjoying your singlehood because the, if you do this thing right, this will be the only time in your life you're ever single. If, if you don't do this right, you'll be single, you'll get married, you'll be divorced, you'll be single again, you'll be miserable, you'll get married again, you'll be divorced, you'll be single four or five times, married three or four times, and you'll be the average American. We don't want to be the average American. We want to nail our singlehood knowing that God has ordained us to be single. And once we are, have walked with Jesus Christ and we're developed and we're fruitful and, and we are strong, then we're fitted with a, a mate or a spouse. So let's look at our lesson here. We should rest comfortably knowing that God wants to give us a spouse. That right there, that ought to put aside all the lust, all the worry. Young folks, especially nowadays in their 20s, if they're not married by the time they're 25, they're fretting. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Will I ever get married? Sure, in God's timing. And, and they get desperate, they get greedy, they get lustful. Uh, we even have television shows about how to find a mate in nine weeks of sitcom or something. And, and you end up marrying somebody who you're just competing with drinking beers in the, with the evening, and it's insane. And, and nowadays we have folks say they find their mate at the bar and the sorority, the fraternity. And this is completely not the blueprint of God. You should rest comfortably knowing that God wants to give us a spouse. It was God that invented marriage. So that right there, you can put to rest any fear or doubt in your mind. Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to get married? Yes, if you want to be married, God wants you to be married. He has a spouse for you. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do you have anything to offer them? That's always the question we have to ask ourselves. Singlehood is designed to give you the opportunity to have something worth offering. I often joke about the ladies want Prince Charming to come along and sweep them off their feet. And I always often joke, he's not going to sweep you off your feet if you're 400 pounds. And if he sweeps you off your feet and he's because he's riding a rhino or a hippo or something, he can put you on there. When you get home with him, do you have anything to offer him? As Pastor Okwokwo calls it from Africa, do you have any home training as a woman? Or you gentlemen, you want the finest thing on the planet. Well, you might be a number two on the pretty scale yourself. So you're a number two, you're wanting a 10 plus. She may not even be interested in you. On top of that, you're rude, you're crude. You, you don't have any money to offer her. You don't have a career to offer her. You don't have a gentleman behavior to offer her. We have all these folks that are terrified of being alone, but they have nothing to offer someone else. Singlehood is designed to make you worth offering. I, having the little girl that we have, I don't want anybody for my daughter. I want the perfect person 
We pray for him every day, though I've never met this baby who will one day grow up to be my wife's man of God. Nobody's good enough for my little girl. God will have to make him good enough. Well, we got to make sure you, are you good enough for somebody's little boy? Are you good enough for somebody's little girl? That's the question of singlehood. We're in too much of a hurry as Christians to hurry up and get married, and it's because we're so overly sexualized. Most Americans want to get married as Christians because they want to hurry up and have sex, because you know true love waits to have sex. We know true love waits till you're mature enough. True love waits till God endorses it. True love waits till the church leadership says, hey, this is God. True love waits and does it in a church and not in the justice of the peace. True love does wait, but we have to keep this whole thing biblical. And so God invented marriage and he wants you to be married. And it is God who said it's not good for the man to be alone. But God brought the help meet forth when God decided it was time. Adam did not fabricate her himself. It was God's timing. He was single until God decided it was time to get married. As Christians, because I assume anybody listening to this is a Christian, we want it to be in God's timing. Now here's the thing is as Americans, as human beings, we can do anything anytime we want. And the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Marriage is the right thing. Marriage is awesome. Marriage is right. But if it's at the wrong time, it's totally wrong and it's miserable. You want to make sure that you have what God wants you to have when God wants you to have it. We take singlehood to prepare ourselves. We take singlehood to make ourselves the best male Christian, the best female Christian. We take singlehood to make ourselves the person Jesus Christ wants us to be so that we are the perfect person for that person God has for us. God loves that future mate of yours as much as he loves you and he doesn't want you to ruin that person and he doesn't want that person to ruin you. So we take our time as singles. Adam was single until God decided it was time to get married and Adam was busy about God's business until God said it was time for a spouse. So some folks go to church, totally wrong reason to go to church. If you're going to church to find a mate, you should get your heart right. You should go to church to serve in the local church. You should go to church to be working in the local church. And if you'll work in the local church, God will bring your mate to you. But if you're a shiftless hobo in the kingdom, God will never provide you a spouse. We're going to see that through this lesson. Adam was busy about God's business until God said it was time for a spouse. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings and it sets forth a lot of patterns. And so as we look at this, we're going to see some things repeated over and over again. But we want to focus right quick on singlehood. Uh, we want to look at our next section. We call it, You Are Already Complete. Most folks want to get married because they're terrified they are not complete without somebody. That's not what the Bible teaches. Though the Bible promises you that you can have a spouse, Biblically speaking, you don't need a spouse for the reasons you think you do. Marriage will not complete you. Most folks want to get married because they don't want to be alone. They're married, they want to get married because they're afraid they'll never make enough money. They want to get married because they don't want to live the life like their aunt and Edna lived. They don't want to be an old school mom or whatever. They get married for all the wrong reasons. Sex, that's the wrong reason to get married. They, they get married for the wrong reasons. And yes, God wants you to get married, but probably not for the reasons you want to get married. Uh, and so we've got to look at these things to understand why does the Bible want us to be married. But let's focus on singlehood. Marriage will not complete you. Marriage will only complement you. You are already complete in Christ. So a lot of Christians spend their entire singlehood with their radar up and on looking for her. Where's her? Where's her? 
or they have their radar on. Where's he? Where's he? And some young ladies, all they do is go to church and, and think about him, him, him. Who's him? Who's him? Where's he going to come from? Or he, who's she? Who's she? Oh, she's fine. Is that her? And you don't even get what God wants you to have because you're obsessed in your heart with not being single and you're obsessed in your heart of being married. You can actually make marriage an idol and you can make being single, you can hate it so much, it's an idol. When the Bible says you got to be content where you are, and the Bible says here in Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, that we're already complete. The verse says, For in Him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. You're complete in Christ. You're not complete in marriage. You're complete in Christ. Jesus Christ is the only thing that will ever, 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 ever complete you. You're complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power. You can be married, but if Jesus Christ is not in you, your marriage will dissolve. You can be married, but if you're not already complete in Christ, when you get married, you're just a complete mess. A lot of Christians don't perfect their Christianity before they get married. And so when they come together, they're two broken people. And two broken people coming together does not make a whole. That only makes more brokenness. And so what we have to do as singles is we have to focus on fixing ourselves in Christ and fixing our walk with Jesus and developing a walk and developing confidence and developing boldness. That's who we have to be before we ever enter into holy matrimony. God never presented Eve to Adam until Adam was ready. And in this day and age, if you want to, you can be married tomorrow. If you want to, you can meet somebody on Facebook today and be at the justice of the peace tomorrow. And it's not the will of God. Folks brag about, we had a whirlwind courtship. We were married in six weeks. You're a fool. An absolute fool. The Bible teaches to make sure your salvation. The Bible says those that believe in Him will not make haste. The Bible says you sin when you hasten with your feet. The reason so many folks rush into marriage is because they're immature, they're insecure, and they're unstable. And they don't realize this powerful biblical truth of Colossians 2.10, you are complete in Christ. If you're already complete in Jesus, you don't need a boyfriend and you don't need a girlfriend. All you need is Jesus. And once you're complete in Jesus, then the Father says, now you're ready. Now you're ready to be married. Until you're complete in Jesus, and you realize that you're never confident enough. You'll always be needy. And think about two needy people clinging to each other. It's like two barely able to swim swimmers clinging to each other in the ocean. They're both going to drown. But if you have two strong swimmers swimming together in the ocean, you got some strong swimming. If you have a strong swimmer and a weak swimmer, they'll both drown. Marriage takes two strong Christians. Not a mediocre Christian and an on-fire Christian, but two established, two foundational, rooted and grounded Christians. If you don't have that, your marriage will be defined by fighting, squabbling, quibbling, and eventually divorce. Marriage is hard enough when it's the perfect will of God. You want to make sure you're as strong as you can be. You don't want to enter into this thing just flippantly. The Bible says here you're complete in Christ, not in marriage. Your relationship with Christ is of more concern to God than you getting a spouse. That's very critical. Your walk and your relationship with God is more important to Him than you ever getting married, than you ever dating. He's more concerned with your relationship with Him. Pastor Vaughn used to always say, God is more concerned about you than the call of God on your life. 
If you are not content single, you will never be content in marriage. So if you're needy single, you'll be needy in marriage. If you're broken when you're single, you'll be broken when you're married. I tell all of our folks that when we counsel for marriage, marriage fixes nothing. <laughs> Just because you say, I do, at the altar before a God and the minister and the family, nothing gets fixed. In fact, saying I do means all your problems just got multiplied. That's the power of marriage. It's not very encouraging, but it's the truth. And you got to know these truths as you enter into this thing. We, we kind of, when you're in love and you're courting, all the bad stuff falls into the gray blind spots. You're running too fast. You don't bother to see all the junk you're running through. And when you finally get married, everything slows down. And you can realize, whoa, we rushed into this. And I encourage all of our single folks when we're counseling them before marriage, you got to realize saying I do doesn't fix any of your problems. If you guys fight right now in, as engaged couples, you'll fight after you say I do. If you struggle with lust right now as single people, you're going to struggle with lust even though you can have sex. If you can't get along with finances, you won't get along with finances when you get married. You have to take the time as a single to master all these areas of your life. Master your neediness. Master your insecurity. Master your financial issues. Master your lust. Master your eating problems. Master all these things. Because once you get married, it's a magnification problem. One man of God said, when you get married, your problems get magnified ten times. <laughs> when you're single, nobody's there to point out your problems. But when you get married, there she is. <laughs> when you get married, there he is. Because when you're single and you're just dating each other, you can hide all that. You have your best face forward, your best foot forward, and you don't reveal the real you, what you really do when your guard is down. So if you are not content single, you will never be content in marriage. Contentment, here's our definition. Contentment is being joyful where you are on the way to where you're going. That's contentment. Being joyful where you are. Being joyful as a single person on the way to where you're going. Marriage. Being joyful where you are. That's faith. That's being happy. That's content being single on the way to where you're going. That's hope. We all have the hope that one day we'll be married. If you want to be married, God wants you to be married. God invented this thing and He has someone for you. You just have to make sure, in a sense, you're worthy of them. You, you want to make sure you're just the biggest blessing to them as they are to you. Even though my wife and I have been married several years now, uh, going on six years, my wife and I, we still pray that we'd be better husbands and better wives to each other. I, I told my wife the other day, I said, Honey, I was just praying that I'd be a better husband. She said, Well, make sure you pray that I'm a better wife. <laughs> it takes work. It never stops. Contentment. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It doesn't say dating that new guy is great gain. Dating that new honey is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm, I have such fear for Christians that just hop from girlfriend to girlfriend, boyfriend to boyfriend. I'm terrified what is broken in the heart of that individual that can never be without a boyfriend or girlfriend. Something's not right there. Something's very not right. You have to be wondering what's wrong with you. What, what's so broken and needy in you that as a Christian you have to always have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? What is so broken in you? Because as a Christian, you don't need anything. You got Jesus. 1 Timothy 6, 8, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So if you got food and clothing, content. 
You don't need a girlfriend. You don't need a boyfriend. In fact, a girlfriend will cost you food and raiment. <laughs> a boyfriend will cost you food and raiment. You got to date. You got to dress up. You got to buy them something. I don't know what my parents were thinking. My first girlfriend, I was 10 years old, and it was a serious relationship. And Christmas was a big deal. I still remember what I bought Alicia Green in 1985. A teddy bear with a gold necklace. <laughs> God help me. That's money, man. Money. What was my parents doing letting me have a girlfriend in the fifth grade? That, that was just part of Americana back in the 80s. <laughs> Look at Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. If you have no one, be content. If you have someone, you should be evaluating that someone you do have, especially if you're not married. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's the key. Most young singles will date, 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 date because they're afraid of being left or forsaken. It comes back to this needy brokenness that's in them. They're terrified they'll be alone. They're terrified they'll never find someone to love them. They're terrified to trust God because God could never bring me someone. I like to encourage folks with my personal story. The Lord called me from Knoxville to Indianapolis to go to Bible school. All right. Well, I was single, hadn't dated anybody and since really since college, didn't care, and ended up meeting my wife. My, the Lord, I obeyed God, just trusting Him, and I moved to Indy, cost me a lot of money to go to Bible school, and that's where I met my wife. But the Lord knew that before I was ever born. And if we could learn to trust God and obey God, He would take us someplace on an awesome mission trip or just in obedience to Him, and that's where we'd find that person God ordained for us. What we end up doing is thinking God needs our help finding our mate. God knows who you need better than you do. And God has already selected them, and you've probably never met them. But when you get to have a say in it, you're going to draw to you those things that are goofy in you. Because right now when you chase somebody, you're chasing someone based on your level of maturity and your level of likes. And that's not going to be who you are in 30 years. God's able to see something that's in someone that you don't like right now, but it's going to be what you need 20 years from now, 25 years from now, 30 years from now. If we base, if we trust ourselves to find our own mate and don't trust God, we're going to be goofy because it's always going to be what society says is attractive now, what society says is pleasant now. We're going to base it on all of our friends. Some folks even date what's popular. They date what's cool, and they don't let the Lord Jesus Christ direct them in finding a mate. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but we'll move on. Until you are content single, you will never have a happy marriage. So think about that. Until you are content as a single person, you will never have a happy marriage. Singlehood is a perfect place to learn contentment. When you get married, there'll be all sorts of things to be discontent about. The devil is so stupid. When you're single, he comes to you and says, you're worth nothing, you're single. You're worth nothing, you're single. You're worth nothing, you're single. No one will love you. So you get married. Then he says, now your life is over. You're married. Your life is over. You're married. You're, you're a slave now. You're married. And he talks people in divorce all the time. Until you're content single, you'll never be happy married. Do not think that you are a lesser person because you are single. Jesus Christ died for single and married people. Our society tells you that if you're, if you're single, you're good for nothing. The Apostle Paul was single his whole life. I don't think he was worthless. Jesus Christ was single his whole life. Do not think that God cannot use you if you are single. A lot of, a lot of folks have fallen into that prey and that lie. Uh, that's a big denominational thing. Some uh, pastors have gotten married because their denomination wouldn't use them if they weren't married yet. 
uh, and, and that's unfortunate. The late Howard Carter, who was a great missionary and a great Assemblies of God pioneer, he was single. He did not get married till he was 65. He traveled the world for many years as a missionary, and they'd always rag him and say, Brother Carter, why have you not married? He said, the Lord's not seen fit to give me a wife yet. And everywhere he went, no doubt he met beautiful young women of God serving God, but none of them were who God said, that's you, that's for you. So he didn't marry till he was 65. And he passed away in his early 80s, so he had a little over 15 years of marriage. But he did a tremendous work for God. You don't have to be married to be used of God. Balaam's donkey wasn't married. <laughs> what marriage will not do for you? So here's just a quick reality check for those of you that are listening that are convinced marriage will complete you. Here's a reality check about marriage. Many Christians have a Hollywood worldview of marriage. For this reason, pe people often think their happiness will be found in marriage. Marriage takes a lot of work to get happiness out of it. Just because there's gold in them there hills doesn't mean it just magically appears in your lap. You gotta go work for it. The joy of the Lord is your strength not the embrace of a spouse. Now, the embrace of a spouse is really, really nice, but the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. As a reality check, here are some things marriage will not do for you, all right? These things are not encouraging. This thing only gets worse, all right? Marriage will not fix you. <laughs> marriage will only bring out your problems. Marriage is like that oven that makes the smell come out, makes the flavor come out. Mar and that's how God designed it. He designed two people in holy matrimony, live together, and grate on each other. Otherwise, you're not going to see things come out of you. Marriage is designed to bring things out of you that couldn't normally come out of you. But marriage will not fix you. Once those things come to the surface, you have to deal with them through the Word of God. For that reason, many Christians, they just wanted to get divorced and walk away. I can't stand who I see I am. Well, divorce is not the solution. Getting with Jesus Christ, fixing the goofed up you is the solution. But we're talking to singles here. Marriage will not fix you. Marriage is not a problem solver. Marriage is a problem magnifier. <laughs> Marriage will not automatically make you happy. And why do you think we have a 50% divorce rate in the church? Not just because the Christians are carnal, but because marriage is not easy. Marriage is not honeymoon the rest of your life. Marriage takes W-O-R-K work. Marriage will not automatically satisfy you. Marriage will not make life easier for you. Marriage is very much a lot of work. Marriage is not an escape from responsibility. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, I always heard of young girls wanting to marry the doctor so they didn't have to do anything the rest of their life. Marriage, now, and some of the American women still have that philosophy. When I get married, he'll do everything. No, no, honey, you need to study Proverbs 31. See how much responsibility you have, lady. You, you bear the children. You raise the children. Paul told Timothy, women are to guide the home and oversee the home, maintain and manage the whole home. There's a lot of work in this. You're not just sitting at home eating bonbons, having tennis racket lessons, and, and going skiing uh, while he does all the work. That, that's, a, that's a goofy daydream. My, my family's friends with a lady. My mom used to work with her. The whole reason she went to nursing school was so she could get a job at Park West Hospital schmooze around doctors and pick her up a husband, and she did. She became a nurse because her dream and ambition was to marry a doctor. Very pretty lady. She used to babysit us when we were kids, so she was in her late 20s, early 30s. Very pretty lady. She married a man about 30 years older than him. He divorced his wife for her, and whoa, what, what a dream fulfilled. 
aren't you coming up in this world? Because she was convinced she'd be nothing without that rich older doctor taking care of her. Now he's like 95 and dead, and she's, you know, old herself. This thing doesn't make any sense unless you do it biblically. Marriage will not heal your past. Honestly, to get married, you need to discuss your past. And some people have such a sordid past, they're going to need some pastoral help, some pastoral counseling. There are pasts that will hurt people when it has to come out. Uh, side note, I just read a man in Belgium is divorcing his wife. He's fighting the government to divorce his wife. Been married for 19 years. He just discovered his wife was born a man and had a sex change operation in Thailand. And he said, I had no idea. That would have been a good thing to discuss when you started dating. And she obviously is demon-possessed, lived as a, man, a woman her whole life, married to a man. They've been married 19 years. And he just discovered this guy was born a guy and had an operation. Some things must be discussed. But marriage will not heal it. Marriage, discussing it with the Word of God, the forgiveness of the Lord, the blood of Jesus, that will fix your past. A lot of folks want to get married to run from their past. You will never run from your past. You must stop, face it, and deal with it. And trust God that this, the, the person you're engaged to is merciful, full of love, full of forgiveness, and can, for Christ's sake, forgive you of whatever your past may be. Marriage will not automatically make you a better person. No, as we've previously said, marriage will bring the worst out of you. <laughs> That's why husbands and wives must be really good at saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. Marriage is not a ticket to free sex. Nope, that's a discussion that takes another 20 lessons altogether. But sex is not free in marriage. There, there, there's a lot of, that goes into romance. They, one of the best analogies is that men are a microwave and women are a crock pot, as in heating up to sexual intimacy. Men, you hit three buttons, boop, boop, and they're going. Women, it takes them all day to get there. That's a good analogy. Men have one switch that says on off. Women have this whole entourage. It's like the dashboard of a 747, and you got to make sure everything's right. So it's not free sex. And that's why we said, gentlemen, if you got lust before you're single, you'll still fight lust when you're married. I, as a pastor, have dealt with married men who had pornography problems. No doubt they had them before they were married, and they thought saying I do would solve the problems. Problems don't solve because you stand at the altar and say I do. You may now kiss the bride. We ought to add a, 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 a marriage vow that says, I do, get ready for some hell. Get ready to really fix some things. You may now kiss your bride. Are you sure of this? You're sure you're ready? Because this is where the rubber meets the road here. All right, you may kiss your bride now. Marriage is not you getting a servant and getting your way. We put that in there for men. Some men say, I'm going to marry a woman, and she's just going to rub my feet and be barefoot and pregnant and fix my meals. And If she wants to do that, great. But you don't get a free servant. You know, and now in this day and age, you can order a bride out of Russia or Siberia or Thailand or Malaysia, and you can get one of those, but that's slave trade. And she's not going to love you, and as soon as she can get some money out of you, she's going to run away. No, marriage is a best friend relationship, and it takes a lot of work. Marriage is not dreamy. Sorry. <laughs> I've been married five years, going on six. Uh, folks have been married 25, 30, 35, 40 years. They love it, but it's not the dreamy thing. The television always shows. It's the reason why after they get married in all those fantasy legends, it says, and they lived happily ever after. They never show what really happened. I think it's a lie. They lived happily ever after. That ain't real. They always stop after the wedding. 
or they always stop when they see the first baby coming along and everybody's happy. And they don't show the next day or the next month or the terrible twos or the fearsome fours or the teenage years or the financial ups and downs. They always end and they lived happily ever after. Yeah, right. Not without the help of Jesus Christ they did. Marriage is awesome. It's of God. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's just not what the world sells it to you as. Uh, and once you are married, the world reverses course and tells you you've made the biggest mistake of your life and you should have never gotten married and that you'd be so much happier single. Don't listen to the world. A lot of folks right now, one of the most common uses of Facebook is to get online. Disgruntled Christian married folks get online and they go chase down their high school sweetheart. They're saying now in the church, one of the new statistics, 40% of divorces in the church start on Facebook. That's born-again folks in holy matrimony having a rough go for a season, get on Facebook, and they just wonder, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what she's doing. And they go type in their ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend from high school or maybe college or maybe that cute secretary they worked with or that handsome guy they work with, and they start chatting it up, and before long their hearts exchange on Facebook. And then they're emailing each other, then they're texting, and then they're sexting, and then they're meeting. And now we're divorced because we've met our dream. It's a mess. So let's look at maximizing your singlehood here. You must realize that your singlehood is a gift from God. If you do not view it this way, you will despise where you are and become obsessed with finding a significant other. If you get nothing else out of this lesson, realize that singlehood is a gift from God. Many married folks would like to be single from time to time. And it's not a bad thing. Last night, our little girl was running around and just totally chaotic. I was trying to write some curriculum, do some research. And I said, honey, are you sure we want more of these? She said, are you serious? I said, no, I love her. I'm like, my goodness. And then she said, I'm going to need more help when we have the next one. What? She said, I think just in the beginning. <laughs> there, there are moments, even as a pastor, even as someone who loves my daughter, there are times it's, it's an adjustment, and I, I would not trade my girl for anything. I would die for her. I would kill for her. But there are just those moments when selfishness wants to squeeze out of you. And that's life. So singlehood is a gift. You must enjoy it. Even before we had children, I told my wife, I said, we need to enjoy these days because once we have a child, it's not going, we're not going back. We're committed for at least 25 years because there'll be others until they're all 18 and out. Are we into this for a quarter century? <laughs> It'll be worth it, but are we into it for this? And you have to realize these things. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34. But I would have you without carefulness or without care. He does, Paul says, I don't want you stressing over things. He that is unmarried, that means single, cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So when you're single, that's your focus. You're to be focusing on how to please the Lord. The number one way you please the Lord is by fixing who you are. But he that is married cares for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Paul almost contradicts what he taught in Romans, but it's a justifiable, it's not a true, true contradiction. In Romans he says we don't care for the things of the world. To care for the things of the world is enmity with God. But he points out here when you're married, you have to care for the things of the world. You can't focus on Jesus Christ all the time. You've got to care for the things of the world to be mindful of the world's things, how you may please your husband or wife. 
So when you're married, you, you have to worry, in a sense, about the stock market. You have to worry about the layoffs on the job. You have to be mindful of grocery prices. You have to be mindful of the heating bill. You have to be mindful of 401ks and savings and retirements because that provides for your wife and family. When you're single, you don't have to worry about those things. So this is a time as a single person that you don't worry about all that stuff that's going to hit you one day when you get what you want. This is a time to focus on being single, to perfect who you are as a woman in Christ, a man in Christ, to focus on who and what you are, to make sure you're the perfect package for whoever God has in store for you. You don't want to marry a lemon, and whoever you're marrying doesn't want to marry a lemon. You've got to make sure you have just as much to offer as you're wanting back in return. Paul tells us that marriage is full of cares, and we married folks say amen and amen, but there's a grace for it. When you are single, your main care should be pleasing Jesus Christ. That is why I teach against dating. This church, this ministry, my doctrine, Dr. Barclay's doctrine, we teach against dating because when you're single, you don't need to be dating. When you're dating, you can't focus on pleasing Jesus Christ. Now, there's a time for courtship. We'll get into that in the next lesson because unless you date or court, you'll never meet anybody and know if they're the right one. But what we're dealing with in our nation, in our culture, is just serial dating. Like Tarzan, swinging from vine to vine, swinging from girlfriend to girlfriend, from boyfriend to boyfriend, and it's a total distraction away from your walk with Jesus Christ because, in a sense, you're playing married. How do you please her? How do you make her happy? Oh, the girl, my girl is upset. My man is upset with me. And you're losing all this energy and sleep over some dork or girl who won't even marry you. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. It's a waste of energy. And on top of that, if they don't love Jesus as much as you do, they're always kind of pulling you away from what God wants for you. That's why we're adamant. We, our youth leaders teach our youth, you don't date. Now, that doesn't mean they obey. But we still teach it. Just like I teach you should tithe. That doesn't mean you obey. You should tell somebody about Jesus. It doesn't mean you obey. And I teach you shouldn't date. It doesn't mean you're going to obey. When you're married, it's full of cares. When you're dating, it's full of cares. When you're single, your main care should be pleasing Jesus Christ. Your main care should not be a spouse. We are to seek Jesus, not a spouse. The Bible never teaches to seek a spouse. It says, seek Jesus. Seek first His kingdom and all these things that the Gentiles, the pagans, seek after. They'll be added to you. He never says you have to seek after them. He says they'll be added to you. I did not move to Indianapolis seeking a wife. But when I went to Indianapolis seeking the will of God for my life, I met my wife and God added her to me. And I didn't even have to look for it. She just kind of was there and I couldn't get rid of her and she kept chasing me. Not really. She, she's not that kind of girl. But it was evident this is the will of God. When you are married, you must focus on your spouse. What if you're still immature, insecure, needy, and selfish when you get married? When you're married, you've got to focus on your spouse. So when you're married, you can't focus on you so much. You've got to focus on your spouse. What happens if you marry and you're needy? The psalmist said, the needy person lives in the miry clay. I would not want to marry someone stuck in miry clay. I would not want to be married to a woman who every day I had to bring her up and encourage her and prop life into That's exhausting. Well, if you're still needy, you're not ready to be married. But most folks get married because they are needy and they're fearful. They're terrified God doesn't have anyone for them. What if you're immature? Well, we all, all have some immaturity in us, but what if you're really immature? Jealousy is a big thing. 
Some folks are so jealous it's miserable. Insecure, selfish. How will you care for your spouse in that kind of condition? How can you properly care for a spouse when you're immature, insecure, needy, and selfish? You won't. When you're those four things, all you care about is you. <laughs> and you don't have a walk with Jesus, which is why you're that way. And so you don't have a walk with Jesus, and you think a man or a woman is going to fix all these things. It's not. You're going to ruin everything. These are things that are designed to get worked out when you are yet single. That's why singlehood is the best gift you could have as a single person, and you should enjoy it. Singlehood is when you are to learn how to please God. Singlehood is when you are learned, learned to be a giver and a servant. One of the things we emphasize in this church a lot is helps ministry and being a servant. Because when I go home, even though I'm the pastor, I am still a servant. When I go home, you know what? I clean. I vacuum. I care for our vehicles. I clean the garage. I do the yard work. I maintain the house. I say, honey, what can I help you with? Honey, what do you need me to do this morning? Even though I'm the boss everywhere in my life, as the pastor and the president of this ministry and the chief board of director guy and the husband, I still go home and say, honey, what do you need me to help you with? What, what, what do you need help with Lydia? What, what can I do here? Is there anything? I'm, I'm headed home. Do you need anything from the grocery store? If you don't have that in you when you get married, you'll ruin your marriage. Marriage has to have be both people giving. If one person's giving, the other person is sucking or taking. One person will be sucked dry. The other person will never be satisfied. These things end in divorce. If you get married and you've never learned how to, be, how to please God, you will not know how to please your spouse. So here's some important questions to ask yourself as a single person. And again, our society really harps on you. If you're not married, by the time you're 25, you're never going to be married. Now listen to that. Howard Carter didn't get married until he was 65. Lester Sarmal didn't get married until he was 32. I didn't get married until I was 31. God, God has plenty of time. I don't know why we're fretting over these things. It proves that we don't trust God. Now, on the other hand, I don't really think you should be married in your early 20s. Our society, our culture is not mature enough to be getting married in their early 20s. I know it. I came up through those years, and I knew how immature I was. And every generation gets less and less mature. It takes longer and longer to mature. We got to use our singlehood as a time to mature ourselves. If this thing of, am I going to get married? Am I going to get married? If that thing is constantly resounding in your soul, you've got yourself located. You can't really focus on Jesus when your heart's always crying, mate, 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 mate. I need a spouse. I need a man. I need a girl. I need a man. I need a girl. Something's not right there. Fix it. Important questions to ask yourself as a single person. What do I have to offer? Either a woman or a man, depending on what sex you are. What do you have to offer? So you want to be married. What do you have to offer? Question number two. Have I developed a strong, stable walk with God? If you're worried about getting married, you haven't. Remember, one of our chief verses was Colossians 2, 9, and 10. You are complete in Christ. So if you're worried about not getting married, you haven't developed that strong, strong walk with God. Number three, am I content being single? Until you're content being single, I really don't believe the Lord will bring you a spouse. When I met my wife, I was perfectly content. I didn't know how long it was going to take to get married. I didn't care. Perfectly content. And even we joke about with my wife and I, we had three rounds of dating. And when we, when we reminisce about our courtship, and I said, now was that the first, second date or the third, second date? 
because we had three rounds of dating. It was a first round of dating in Indy. Then we had two rounds when we moved to Tennessee. And the second time we dated three or four times and then I broke it off. And then the third time it stuck. And we dated three or four times before we got engaged. And, and uh, I said, so we went caving that one time in the snow. Was that the second round of dating or the third round of dating? Are you content being single? That's what you have to ask yourself. Until you are, you're not ready to be married. Am I living a life pleasing unto God? That's another question. If you're not living a life pleasing unto God, then when you get married, you'll cause them to stop living a life pleasing unto God. Am I selfish? That's another question. Uh, are you selfish? Is it always about you? If it's always about you, when you get married, you're going to make them make it always about you. Marriage only works when both people give and give and give and give, and they never demand their own rights. Am I needy? Whew, needy is like one of the worst things you could ever find in a person. Neediness. I need, I need. There's nothing wrong with encouraging and exhorting somebody, but when you have to do it every day because they're so needy, that's exhausting. When you grow up in Christ, you'll find that Jesus doesn't even exhort you every day. He doesn't even encourage you every day. <laughs> even after my wife was robbed at gunpoint, the Lord did not encourage me <laughs> because I know the Bible. And it was almost as though He said, here's the Scriptures, you should do it. Now that's pretty extreme. Your wife gets robbed at gunpoint with your baby on the changing table and the Lord doesn't bother to comfort you. Now the peace of God was there, don't misunderstand me, but it's not like He came and spoke to me and said, son, it's going to be okay. Son, it's, it, look, it's, it's been okay. He reminded me that Paul was in perils of robbers. Oh, so it's a biblical experience. Yes, it is. All right, I guess we just move on. Yes, you do. Okay. If you've got to be encouraged every day because you're so needy, you're not ready to be married. I'm, I'm very proud of my wife for that whole ordeal because I've only had to encourage her maybe twice since it happened. Honey, it's going to be all right. We prayed, and then the other day she said, try to get on me. I said, you rebuke it? She said, yeah. I said, good. That's it. <laughs> I'm proud of her. She doesn't suck the life out of me. She breathes life into me. Am I immature? Well, only you would know that. Am I only interested in sex? Boy, that's our society today. Honestly, even the church now, you can have sex. Not our church, not the church, but other churches. They don't care if you sleep around. Now, just as long as you come to their church, they're happy with you. Now, that's not the standard of Jesus. If you're only interested in sex, you're not ready for marriage. Uh, one of the biggest causes of divorce is a lack of sex. So folks get married to have sex, but once you ha get married, it's like the devil. When you're single, you can't keep your hands to yourself. When you're married, you don't want your hands touching anything. The devil works at both angles. So when you're married, he's always tempting you to have sex with whoever you're, excuse me, when you're single, he's always tempting you to go places you shouldn't when you're with whoever you're dating or who you're engaged to. Once you get married, the devil works the other direction and starts drying it up. Whereas before you couldn't keep your hands to yourself, now that you're married, you just keep your hands in your own pockets. You don't care. I'm not interested. That'll kill a marriage. So you got to be mature. Am I ready to lay down my life, my dreams, my ambitions, and my desires that I might please a spouse? If you answer no to any of those, you're not ready for marriage. No, I'm not ready to lay down my life. No, I'm not ready to lay down my career. In this nation, we have trained women to be so career-minded 
that women will ruin their own marriage over a career. They'll deep six their marriage because I have a degree and I'm an empowered and enlightened woman and I'm miserable, but I'm career driven. Well, fine, go please yourself. If you're not ready to stay at home as a mom, I'm so proud. I know so many women who are very educated, career driven, they had a baby and God touched their heart and they say, I don't want my career anymore. I want to raise my baby. If you're not ready to stay at home and raise your babies, now not that you'll be able to, but if you're not willing or wanting to, I'd tell you, you're not ready to be a mom. Why would you have a kid to have the daycare raise it? Now, I, I'm not against daycare. Some people have to do it because they can't make it financially. But I've got to believe if you're a real mama, even though you have to go to work and send your child to daycare, your heart doesn't want to do it. There's something wrong with you as a woman when you want to have a kid, but you want somebody else to raise it because your career is more important to you than that child. Something's broken. It's the American dream that's in you. That's what broke it. My ambitions, I'm, laying, I'm, I'm willing to lay down my desires that I might please a spouse. If you're not willing to do those things, you're not ready for a spouse. You're just ready to have sex and not be alone. Because when you get married, you lay down all your dreams and all your ambitions. It's now about the greater good of the family and the marriage. It's not just about you and your little educated ego. Ooh, I have a master's, I have a PhD. Awesome. Your marriage is falling apart and you're miserable. Am I established in the natural realm? Job, home, finances. If you, can't, if you don't have a job, you don't need to be married. And we would encourage you single women, don't marry a man who doesn't have a job. I would really, when, you, when a man is interested in you, I'd look at how his dad handles money. Because if his dad can't handle money, he doesn't know how to handle money. If he can't handle money, you'll always be broke. And that's miserable. Can he help, does he take care of his stuff? I wouldn't date a guy that didn't take care of his stuff. I wouldn't date a woman who, who couldn't take care of her home. I know this is anti-American, but this is the Bible. Men have roles they play and so do women. Men are the breadwinners, men are the organizers, men are the leaders, women are the home takers, the care for the, the, uh, the, the nurturing, maturing ones. And if they're not what the Bible tells them they ought to be, you shouldn't be interested in them. They're too Americanized. We don't want people Americanized, we want them Christianized. We want them Christ-like. Am I capable spiritually and financially of supporting a family? Ladies, I wouldn't date a man that was less spiritual than you. Make sure you find a man who can pray and lead you in prayer. That doesn't mean he's the Jezebel you are. He can be a stronger leader than you and not have the outgoing personality you do. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs of the King, he can just scatter evil with his eyes. He doesn't have to be as opinionated as you. He can just look at you and shut you down. Singlehood is a time to perfect yourself as a man or woman of God. You must be patient and long-suffering. Don't forget those are two fruits of the Spirit. Patient and long-suffering. And get busy about the master's business. You sin when you hasten with your feet. Enjoy being single. This is the only time you'll ever be single again. I would encourage you, the quicker you're content single, the quicker you can bring your spouse to you. The quicker you can put being married out of your mind and focus on the kingdom, the quicker you might qualify. I really believe you have to qualify to be married. I have lots of folks in the last five years of pastoring, I've told them, you're not ready to be married and I'm not going to do the wedding because you don't qualify. We have one couple right now, we've put off their marriage three or four times. I had another couple before them, I put off their marriage three or four times. I said, I'm not doing it. You guys aren't ready. It's evident. You'll sink. I love you. Go someplace else if you really want it that bad. Go to the J-O-P. And we've had folks go to the Justice of the Peace because I wasn't behind them. 
We'll cover that kind of stuff in the next lesson. If you are stu still a newly planted Christian, you don't need to be concerned with finding a spouse. If you're an immature Christian, you don't need to be concerned with finding a spouse. He, uh, Matthew 15, 14 says, and we'll close with this, If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So this concludes our first lesson on singlehood. We've entitled it, Enjoying Your Singlehood. We want to make marriage look as ugly as possible so that you'll shun it until you're ready for it. Now, it's a beautiful thing, but any married person who has a successful marriage will tell you it takes a lot of work. I would tell you Americans probably have the worst marriages on the planet because we're selfish, we're narcissistic, we're materialistic, and we have Hollywood pumped into our soul every day. I find more beautiful marriages overseas, ones I envy. And so if you're American, just realize you have uh, more work to do and enjoy your singlehood. It's the time that you've been given to perfect who you are, to make sure Prince Charming has something worth having in you, and to make sure the princess, it, it, make sure you're her, her Prince Charming. For some of you, uh, your princess is going to be kissing a toad, and she's going to kiss you, and you're not going to change. You're still going to be a toad. You might just, you know, blossom into a warthog or something. <laughs> Hopefully we've learned something. Father, bless our time here. We thank you for these lessons on singlehood. Father, help our single folks to glorify you with their singlehood as they prepare their hearts to be mature Christians. And Lord, in the proper season, you'll bring them their spouse that you've ordained for them. Father, bless these singles in Jesus' name. Amen.